Welcome to Church at Home with Riverside Online. We are so glad that you've made the good decision to do church with us today in this way. If you are new or you've joined us recently, we would love to connect with you personally. So please head on over to our Connect With Us link on the Riverside Community Church website and someone will be in touch with you. This is a time of increased opportunity to love God and love others. As we are a church in the forefront of COVID-19 impact relief, we are going to hear more from Craig, who heads up Branch Out, which is Riverside's vehicle for helping those in need. Hello everyone, my name is Craig, and I have the privilege of serving as one of the pastors here at Riverside Community Church. I also represent Branch Out, which is our social justice arm of the church. Our aim is to engage and mobilize Riversiders to meet some of the needs that we are seeing in and around our community. At this time of COVID-19, we are seeing an increase in the needs that are present in our communities. We're seeing significant job loss, uh, salary cuts, uh, people are unable to go to work and as a result are not getting the income they need to feed their families. Recently, I went into one of the communities around our church. It was heartbreaking to see how many people hadn't eaten for a number of days. I'm reminded by what it says here in Acts chapter 2 from verse 42, giving us a description of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. What we see in the description of this early church is one of their behaviors was sacrificing so that people had what they needed to survive. At this time in South Africa, many people are starting to significantly struggle. And so as a church, we have created our COVID-19 relief fund. You would have seen over the last two weeks, Steve highlighting ways that you can engage with that. And I want to remind you that if you go to our website, on our homepage, you will see some tabs that will direct you to requesting assistance or to giving to the work that we are doing. As Branch Out, we have been working very hard to try and mobilize uh, different systems and structures to meet the needs in and around us. So when you give into this fund, you're giving to three different things. Firstly, it's going to be going to Riversiders who have lost their income um, due to the situation that we're in. It's going to be going to our partner organizations, mainly Rest Haven and Christ Hope International. Both those organizations support some of the most vulnerable in our communities, namely uh, children who've been orphaned and affected by HIV and AIDS and the elderly. And then we're uh, engaging the community at large, specifically some of our informal communities who have really struggled with the loss of income. What I have down here is an example of what we um, are working towards. This is a pack to the value of 200 Rand. We've been working with retailers in our community 
who are subsidizing this so that we can get food to people who need it most. And so we have already had over 50,000 Rand donated. And I want to just take this time to thank those of you in the corporates who are giving towards this because within the next two weeks, we're going to be able to have 250 packs like this available to give to those who currently have nothing to eat. And so our aim with this branch out campaign is to be able to feed our families. And this is an example of when you give, you're able to feed families in Riverside, through our partner organizations, and in our communities with those who don't have anything to eat. Another example of what we have is Riversiders who have put packs together of rice, lentils, peas, stock cubes. A pack like this can feed four people for a meal, and we have already raised enough to have a thousand people have a meal in our most vulnerable communities. And I want to encourage you, take the time to talk about this as a family, as friends, and see where you can sacrifice to feed our families. Any bit that you give goes towards putting packs like this together so that people won't go hungry during this time. Thank you. Hey everyone, before we dive into today's message, I want to let you know that we're going to be discussing some things of a sensitive nature. So if you're doing church with some younger kids in the room, please use your discretion to decide what you're going to do. We're busy going through the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is doing an inside out audit of our lives. Now, I don't know what it's been like for you, but I know for me during lockdown, during some of these challenging seasons, some aspects of my heart have been exposed that maybe ordinarily wouldn't have been exposed. And I think Jesus is wanting us to take notice of what's going on in our hearts. I know there are so many other things to think about and to worry about. But might I suggest that this is the perfect opportunity to allow God to do this inward work in your life right now. You see, here's the thing. I don't know what the future holds. I don't know what life is going to look like a week from now or a month from now. And I definitely don't know what life is going to be like for you a year from now. But here's what I do know is your character is so vital to getting you through this. And so if you allow God the time and the space to work on your character now, that whatever road you need to walk from here, you are going to be better equipped with God to provide the kind of character you need to get through whatever you need to get through. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this time of lockdown has been a bit of a crucible for so many people. And what we've started to notice is how people are trying to cope. I know many people around us have gone to online TV, not saying it's a bad thing, but we've got so much time on our hands. And so we go to Netflix and we go to YouTube. But here's something else that has happened. I was reading about a world's leading porn site that in the first week of Europe's lockdown, its viewership went up by 40%. I've got no idea of what those stats look like now. So last week we spoke about anger and here's the thing about anger, whether you're more aggressive and rhino orientated or more passive aggressive and more porcupine orientated, people tend to know when you're angry. 
But what Jesus is going to speak to us about today tends to live in the secret, dark part of our lives where the people around us don't know what's going on. And so we need to allow God's light to shine into this area of our hearts today. So let's read together Matthew chapter 5 verses 27 to 28. And this is what Jesus says. He says, You have heard that it was said, Do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Now, last week when we spoke about anger, we saw how Jesus pointed towards the commandments, do not murder. And how many were saying, well, I haven't killed anyone, so I'm okay. And Jesus says, hang on, wait. Let's look at the heart that leads to murder. Let's look at the trajectory of that heart and the many ways that can destroy you and the relationships around you far before you even get to murder. And in the same way, Jesus is pointing towards another of the Ten Commandments concerning adultery. Now you may go, oh, well, okay, what did I do on Monday? What did I do Tuesday, Wednesday? Okay, no adultery, I'm fine. And Jesus says, no, let's look at the heart that leads to that. Let's look at what happens inside of us and the way that destroys you and your heart and your mind and your relationships long before you may even get to the point of actual physical adultery. Now, going back to last week, I think the world would agree with what Jesus had to say. I think when Jesus says, do not murder, the world is on board with that. I think when Jesus says, and also watch how you act in anger and how you can ruin relationships around you when you act out of that in unwise ways, I think most of the world would say, yes, we approve of that. But when it comes to what Jesus is speaking about today, I think the world is scratching their heads. Because not only is adultery a fairly common thing, but just generally sexual promiscuity. I mean, if you were to watch most comedy sitcoms, you would see that porn is just part of life. I'm thirsty, I need something to drink. I'm hungry, I need something to eat. I have needs, I can go to people or porn to fulfill those needs. It's just seen as very normal and therefore maybe wouldn't fully agree with what Jesus has to say. This has led to many in the world and even many Christians to question Jesus, saying, what's wrong with a little porn? What's wrong with a little sexual fantasy on the side? As long as I'm not hurting anyone, right? And this is where Jesus says, wrong. I know many people see Christianity as a restrictive religion where Jesus kind of takes all the fun stuff off the table and leaves us with these boring lives. When the truth is, Jesus is leading us towards a greater life. He's not trying to make us less human, but more human. He wants to lead you to greater and deeper joy and deeper experience of life and relationships. This is what God has for us. And so I want to give you just a brief insight as to what people are learning about what's going on in the mind when we are exposed to sexual fantasy and pornography. And this is what Jesus is warning us about. So here's what goes on in the brain. When we are exposed to sexually explicit material, it triggers what is known as mirror neurons. And what mirror neurons want you to do is to mimic the behavior that aroused you. So your brain is triggered. You are sexually aroused. This creates a sexual tension which needs an outlet. 
Now, God designed our brains to work in that way. And the reason why God designed that is because this whole process is designed to bind us to the object that you're focusing on. And so in marriage, this whole cycle is designed to help bind husbands and wives together, creating a safe relationship and a safe family. But in this case, we literally become bound to TV screens or fantasies on our mind and men and women who aren't our husbands and our wives. Something else that is going on in our brain has to do with this chemical called dopamine. You see, dopamine gives us a little bit of a reward in our brains. And again, God designed this reward circuitry, which is more reason to think that God is for us, not against us. So what happens with pornography and sexual exposure is that we get these dopamine spikes and then a rapid drop afterwards. And over time, we literally get desensitized to pleasure, just like any addiction, whether it's chemical addiction or drug addiction or alcohol addiction, our dopamine cycle works in the same way. And so over time, we need more to get our fix, to get this high, and then the drop is bigger on the other side. This is why for so many people, it starts off with maybe just thinking about things and then being exposed to kind of lesser levels of pornography and then greater levels and then greater levels and higher levels and I need to get exposed to it more regularly. What this desensitization actually does, it inhibits our ability to experience joy and pleasure in all aspects of life. You see, I cannot separate what happens in my mind when it comes to sexual exposure and the dopamine levels in my brain and all other parts of life. And because I am pushing the limits in terms of experiencing this chemical high in my brain, eventually over time, I lose the ability to experience joy in life, joy in people, joy in marriage, joy in family. And what so often happens is that many people who go down this road, in fact, most, land up experiencing some form of depression. So there's a whole lot more that people are learning about the brain. We don't have time for that. But something else people are starting to figure out is that you cannot separate pornography from the sex trade. In fact, these are so inextricably linked. Every time you click a button, you are part of that story. You see, sex trafficking is a single largest form of slavery today. And yet we say, but nobody's getting hurt, right? Well, Jesus says, no, you're hurting your brain. You're hurting and harming your joy. You're hurting your relationships. You're hurting your experience of life. You're hurting your family. And there are literally physical people out there who are being harmed by the click of your button. One of the longest serving editors of Loaded Magazine. Now, Loaded Magazine was kind of not seen as a porn magazine. It was kind of seen as a gentleman's magazine. But they worked out that sex sells. And so they pushed the envelope, what they thought, this side of pornography, in order to sell as many magazines as possible. Until he became a father. You see, he was often asked, um, so what would you do if your daughter got into these magazines? Would you be happy with that? And he used to kind of feel bad about it, but he would say, well, I suppose I would allow her to do that. And then he became a father. And this is what he had to say. Offering excuses for pornography when Loaded was attacked left me feeling cheap and hollow. I became a person I wasn't and looking back one I didn't like. 
Today I find myself agreeing with some of my fiercest former critics. He goes on to say, How will these tainted children be able to interact with real women later on in life if the first ones they meet are on-screen mannequins? By allowing children free access to pornographic images, the next generation of young men are becoming so desensitized, I genuinely feel we're storing up an emotional time bomb. Now, this is not someone trying to follow Jesus. This is just someone who's coming face to face with this reality. Now, I don't say this to make anyone feel condemned. We're going to speak more about that later. But rather that we start to see the problem for what it really is. And so I'm hoping that maybe you came into this thinking that this is not a big deal. Maybe you kind of sort of try to sort this out. But maybe you're starting to see what a big problem it actually is. And you'd be open to hearing what Jesus says next. So let's read. He says, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Now, if I could summarize what Jesus is saying here, he is saying, take drastic action. See what is going on here and be willing to take the appropriate measures here. I've read some hilarious stories about people in church history. One guy, he, every time he had a lustful thought, he threw himself into a thorn tree. Now, you might laugh about that, but if you took on, on those measures, maybe your thought life would change as well. Other people have castrated themselves in order to fulfill a life of purity and holiness. But guys, on average, this has been a guy's discussion. But what's starting to come out with books and movies like Fifty Shades of Grey and just other research is that this is not just a guy's issue. This is an everybody's issue. And not only is this connected with things of a sexual nature, but sometimes affairs have a lot to do with experiencing illicit exhilaration with somebody else emotionally as well. And so Jesus is saying, take drastic action. So... How can we do this? I've got a number of practical things for us to put into place. And the first one is this. Number one, call it for what it is. Call it for what it is. No one wins when we euphemize our sin. I mean, if I have something wrong with my body, no one wins when I just tell my family I've got a headache and all I need is to take a few panados. If I get to own up, here's what's wrong with me, I go to the doctor, take the appropriate actions, that is the process that leads me to life and to health. And in the same way, no one wins when I don't acknowledge the truth of what's going on. So let's call it for what it is. Let's call it an emotional affair. Let's call it lust. Let's call it adultery. Let's call it pornography. Let's call it an addiction. Let's call it for what it is. Number two, We need to think marathon, not sprints. In other words, we need to be in it for the long run. Maybe you've realized this is what's going on in your life and you've prayed a few quick little prayers to God and you've wondered by Friday, things haven't changed. I told you that so much of what's going on here happens in our heart and in our minds. Neuroscientists tell us that if you're addicted to pornography and you stop looking today, it takes between 18 months and three years for your brain to regrow to full health. 
Now, in the same way that if I hurt myself, God can heal me instantly. In the same way, God can heal my mind instantly. But here's what I want you to be aware of. You see, God doesn't just want to fix you. He wants to form you. And the journey of being formed by God, the things He wants you to learn along the way, the way He wants you to depend on Him is a marathon, not a sprint. The third thought for us today is number three, come clean, come clean. This is where we bring this dark area of our lives into the light before God and others. 1 John 1 verses 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And so we bring our sins before God and we bring our sins before others. Where the book of James says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. But now remember, we're thinking marathon, not sprints. This is not just about praying a quick prayer or having a once-off conversation with a mate. This is about taking how Jesus teaches us to pray daily. We're confessing our sins before God. We're naming them. We're bringing them out of the dark areas and we're exposing them to God's grace and his forgiveness. And then this is also about being part of a healthy relationship where I can sit down with people who love me, people who are wise and godly and spiritually mature. And I can share, here's what's going on in my life. They can pray for me and they too can be part of my healing so come clean the fourth point is this cut off your hand cut off your hand now here's what i'm not saying i'm not saying go to the kitchen find your sharpest kitchen knife and perform some surgery on yourself what i am saying is to affirm what jesus said earlier take this seriously do whatever it takes so for many people it's the internet that trips you up An action that you can take here is to commit to the people around you that you're not going to go online unless you're in the room with someone you love and someone you trust. If it's TV, if it's Netflix, if it's YouTube, you cancel those subscriptions, you cut off your hand and maybe you're saying, Stephen, I don't know if I'm prepared to put up with the cost. Well, here's what I want to say to you. It's pay now or pay later. Either you deal with the cost now and then you walk towards life and health and maturity and joy or you don't deal with the cost now and you deal with a far greater cost down the line. This is what Jesus is trying to alert us to. So let's count the cost. Let's be willing to cut off our hands. Number five, this is so essential. You need to preach the gospel to yourself. This isn't about you doing what it takes. This is about you positioning yourself before God so that he walks with you in this. The gospel says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You see, there's a big difference between feeling some remorse, which is healthy, and feeling condemned. The scriptures teach very clearly that there's two ways of feeling bad about this. The one is worldly sorrow, which leads to death. The other is godly sorrow, which leads to repentance, transformation, and leads to life and salvation. And so worldly sorrow might be, oh, I just feel a bit bad because I was caught. Or maybe I'm feeling a bit bad because of this message right now, but in a few days time, I'm going to have moved on. Or on the other hand, Worldly sorrow is I feel so guilty, I feel so condemned, I can barely lift myself up to face the day. 
That would be worldly sorrow that leads to death. But then there's the gift of godly sorrow. Where God allows you to feel about your sin the way he feels about your sin. That you know what it's doing to your heart and your mind and your relationships and your future. And for that reason, you feel genuine remorse. That leads to transformation and that leads to life. And so for those of us who are in the gospel, it's not about condemnation. You see, gospel says that Jesus took on your sin upon himself. In other words, he took on your pornography. He took on your lust. He took on your brokenness. He took on what's going on in your mind. He took on adultery on him on the cross. So that when God looks at you, he doesn't look down at you disgusted at this pathetic little creature. He looks down at a son and a daughter, then yes, he does walk with you into transformation. Why? Because you are a son and a daughter. He does want you to see the truth of what this is. He does want to lead you towards greater joy and greater life. And that may involve some remorse along the way, but he does this for you because he loves you. Then finally, I want to encourage you to rely on God-given grace, meaning you cannot, you cannot do this on your own. Again, this is a marathon, not a sprint. This is about cultivating the kind of life where we position ourselves to receive all that God has for us. And so I'm abiding in Jesus every single day. I'm living in a way that I'm receiving his life, his joy, his presence. You see, one of the lies you need to face up to is for so many people, they just want God to fix them. In other words, they've got the picture of their life as it is now without this problem. Jesus has a far greater vision for your life. He wants you to experience greater joy in Him, greater meaning and fulfillment and purpose and freedom in Him. Somewhere along the way, as you are walking with Him, this will fall away and lose its power in your life. But you are going to continue walking into life and walking into freedom. That's what God has for you. If I could quote Dallas Willard, he says, It's the surrender of the lesser dying self for a greater eternal one. The person God intended in creating you. And so church, I want to say, take courage and let's step boldly into this life that God has for us. We've just heard that we cannot walk this journey on our own. We need to preach the gospel to ourselves in prayer and we need to rely on God-given grace. So let's do that together in our homes. Thanks for watching with us this week. We do hope that the challenging and practical messages help you grow in your journey as a Christ follower. We also hope that you'll join us again next week. And until then, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and our Riverside app. Another way to stay in touch is through life groups, where people are getting together in smaller groups online at the moment, and this is a place to discuss the sermon, encourage one another, do life together and pray for each other. If you are not in one of these groups, you can find a list of them on our website or our app. Have a great week. Music